This is Jake Stewart from the Wildcats, and you're listening to the Wildcast Podcast. Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to another episode of the Moncton Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcast. We're back. We're in the studio. We're in the back yellow Back in yellow, back in yellow, back in yellow, back in yellow. As always, I am your host, Adam. I am joined by your favorite co-hoster and mass singer, aficionado, Mr. Jeremy Boucher. Mr. Boucher, welcome back to the studio. Oh, my God. <laughs> that literally felt like two months, not it two did. weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. very, very good to be back. Um, pleased to be back in this uh, household bubble uh, of uh, of the yellow, uh, the yellow phase. Um, Adam... Are you excited for Sunday afternoon? Bucks Vikings? No. Oh, okay. Mario Lopez as sexy (laughs) Colonel Sanders in the Lifetime mini movie because 2020 has no (laughs) rules. Okay. Yeah, legit. Layla message before we got down here. She's like, you got to talk about the KFC movie. I thought it was a joke. Like, I I don't know how long this movie is going to last. We saw the preview today. I'm like. You gotta be kidding me! So it's only a fifteen-minute thing. Okay, okay. Well, how much more can you really it's, it's go? A, it's a fifteen-minute deep-fried, soapy <laughs> glory uh, with Mario Lopez. His because dim- why wouldn't it be Mario his, Lopez? His dimples and signature smirk as Colonel Sanders of <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, sun's out guns out too if you've seen the trailer of his Colonel Sanders outfit like I just and he's the only recognizable name in the movie. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. The other ones are probably from all those Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, this is 100% real. There's uh, there's no doubt I'm going to watch it. Oh, I'll be there. 100%. Oh, yeah. So this is uh we'll check a time check. So 12 p.m. on Sunday on Lifetime TV. That'll work. I'm not sure exactly what channel that is, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's 12 noon Eastern, so it'll be 1 p.m. our One, time. That'll work. That's before the Buccaneers game, yeah. so I a, got no problem watching that. A recipe for seduction. <laughs> that's the best tagline <laughs> of life. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, ma- no Wildcats. We've got some mass Singer to talk about. I mean, we got the Christmas show coming up tonight, and then the actual finale. Are you all caught up? I, I believe so, yes. Right, I so think got, so. We got three left. We got the sun. We got the crocodile. We got the mushroom. Uh, we had some. Trying to see who we had. Uh, we had popcorn. Who was Taylor Dane? Who had no idea who that was, but she was an '80s pop star from New York. So I had the New York part. Um, what else did we have? Serpent is Doctor Elvis. Uh, Lonzo. Lonzo Ball was whatchamacallit or Squiggly Monster? That was whatchamacallit. whatchamacallit. Uh, who was Squiggly Monster? I had it for both. I can't remember who Squiggly Monster was. Uh, Chloe Kim was the jellyfish from X Games. Right. Uh, yeah. I think Neil Sadaka, I think, was, was Broccoli. Neil something, an old crooner. No, I can't remember. I can't remember his name. No. No, but we've now got Mushroom, Crocodile, and Sun. Who do you think? One of them is a famous singer. I mean, I, I, I still think... What's her, what's her thing is uh, Carrie Underwood. I can't remember which one it is. The Sun, probably. The Sun. Oh, the seahorse was uh, Tori Kelly from right. American Idol. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think it's Car- it's Ka- got to be Carrie Underwood. Um, I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm getting some major Carrie Underwood vibes. But uh, the, I remember last year when Mass Singer sent out a tweet and they said, "Who do you want to be- see in the next season?" 
I immediately replied and said Anna Kendrick. Yep. <sighs> I'm getting some Anna Kendrick vibes too. Um, so I don't know. I'm uh, I'm excited because it's a, it's a really good final group. Uh, yeah. And it's gonna it's uh, I I really don't know who I would pick to win. As the resident uh, BSB fan on this uh, podcast, the crocodile is 100% Nick Carter. Um, that voice is recognizable any day of the week. Took me a bit. There's a couple clues. Um, last week with Craig Robinson on the show, he's talking about. Well, the first clue a couple weeks ago was uh, they asked like, "Who who do you have a history with on the panel?" And he he said uh, Craig Robinson. And then it, he was in a cult movie, which is this is the end. The Backstreet Boys are at the end of it. Mm-hmm. His voice is just it, you know Nick Carter's voice if you're if you're a fan. The Sun, I'm sticking with Demi Lovato, but the Mushroom. It has me thrown. Sometimes it's a, a female voice. Sometimes it's a male voice when it sings. Like I, I, I have a feeling the mushroom's gonna win because it's just been he's been so good. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea who it is. Me either. This is a tough one. Really, really tough one. You gonna watch the Masked Dancer? No. <laughs> no. I, I I might watch the Masked Dancer just because I think one of the hosts, not one of the hosts, one of the judges is um, uh, Craig Robinson. Yeah, I he's think the host. Name. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's uh, he's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, he's 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 from The Office. He's from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Hot are the, Tub Time Machine. Yeah, those like Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Office are like my two fall asleep shows. So I just put those on Netflix, and yeah. just uh, it makes yeah. me fall asleep. So, um, yeah, he's he's a favorite of mine. So uh, maybe I'll watch it. We'll see. I mean, I don't know very many dancers. Exactly. I don't. I, I know none. And if it's if it's all celebrities, like I might watch the first one because if it's all celebrities, mm-hmm. then it makes it a little easier. But Aside from Juliana Hoff and Derek Hoff, I got no idea who a dancer is. Um, but it's, you know, my, you might as well capitalize on it. Um, I did find out, though. It's kind of cool. They There's no real crowd there. Like, it's all, yeah. they have a certain number of uh, people that they bring in. And then the rest of it is all edited in to make it seem like it's like it's live. So oh, I'm going to take a, I'll take a stab. Um, I haven't seen any clues of, of this masked answer. Yep. But I'm going to take a bold prediction here and say Kevin Federline is going to be one of them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll find that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could 100%. Uh... I mean, he, he was, he you know, he, he was married to Britney Spears. Yeah. Uh, he was. Um, Her backup dancer for backup many dancer. years. Backup dancer. Uh, which I'm looking at as his rapper, DJ, actor. Television personality, professional wrestler, and fashion model. But his career began as a backup dancer. So I think, hmm. I mean. Uh, you you say that name and I never think DJ, record producer. I never any, think. I just think Britney Spears' husband. What? Pro yeah. wrestling? I don't yeah. know. Britney Spears' husband. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it'll be a couple weeks. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Moncton Wildcast, and Instagram, Wildcast Podcast. Uh, I mean, there's. Some news and notes from around the queue, I guess. So we'll we'll just quickly go there. News and notes from around the queue. Really, they paused the season. <laughs> that's that's about. The, I mean, they got through the bubble and it was a success. I don't think there were any cases coming out of the Quebec bubble, were there? I don't. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not that no. I can remember. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, but. I mean, with everything that's happened here, going back and forth and, you know, the island, and it was just, it made sense to extend the Christmas period. They're not back till January 3rd, which means that's when players report they probably won't play until January 17th. And They're going to have to quarantine for 14 yeah. days again. And when they do, 
it's likely going to be in bubbles. Yeah. I, I can't see it being travel. I would love to be in the arena, but I can't see it being traveled. I can only see it. Uh, I mean, if the, if the Atlantic bubble comes back, that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't think the Atlantic bubble will be reestablished until maybe the end of January. Uh, so, I mean, maybe the maybe we have a maritime division bubble here in Moncton for a couple of weeks just to make up for those lost games, you know. But then, yeah. you know, end of January we're we're good to go. Um, but um, I don't want to, I don't know, <laughs> mess with anybody's brains or heads or you know piss anybody off. But honestly, I don't think we'll be back in the Avenir Center until September two thousand twenty one. Uh, that's that's just a, a feeling I have. Uh, I think we're I think we're just going to be stuck with this bubble hockey for for the rest of the season. Yeah, I uh you said that before we got on. I I don't doubt we're not back in in the arena until then. I hope that we're both wrong, but um it's it's got a proven track record. The NHL, the NBA, Quebec just did it. Yeah, it's expensive, but it works if you want to get a a season going and who knows if we'll even have hockey depending on what the OHL and the WHL do is cuz they're supposed to come back. Uh, the beginning of January, so um, it sucks, but uh, yeah, that's where we are. We got no no hockey to talk about, kind of. Uh, we did have some Wildcats hockey this past week. Weekly Rewind. Like I said, we had some hockey, just not the hockey we're used to. Uh, the Kia Memorial E-Cup Championship started November 28th, goes till December 17th. Good old Jay Stu was representing the Wildcats. Um, he took on Sam Cosentino, who played as the Sea Dogs. Uh, they took a bit of an L there, uh, an eight-two victory for for Jake. It wasn't. It was close to one after twenty, and then you know, video game Forche took over. It's natural hat trick, four goals in the period. He was just he was unbelievable, and that was all she wrote. Jake is now on to round two as he takes on Sean Spearing of the Peets, uh, who the Wildcats have faced Peter Bro before. Um, in 06, do you remember what the score was? Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, um, no, it wasn't the semifinal. No. Cause I, I remember cause the Pete's were the first team eliminated. Um, they didn't even make the semifinals of the, the tiebreaker. They made the tiebreaker. They made the, okay, right. They made they the tiebreaker. They, they lost, lost the tiebreaker. Yeah, six, and then the they went game. out to the rock and rodeo and Emma drive. <laughs> and so I remember seeing Daniel Ryder. Yeah. Uh, at the Rock and Rodeo, and then his hockey career just disappeared. Um, I do not remember the score of that game. 3-2? Close. Moncton got a 4-2 victory oh. over Peterborough on May 22nd. <laughs> uh, Goulet with two goals, Pinot and Marchand, and then Steve Downey and G. Stewart, I'm going to guess Greg Stewart, uh, answered for Peterborough. Wait, that, that Brad Marchand goal, was that, that um, the breakaway backhand? Yeah, I don't know. Fifty-five minutes, five minutes left in the third period. It looks like he. Uh, yes, uh, he got that it's got to be it. Um, <laughs> let me do a quick research here. That was another big goal. Um, I think the most famous player on that uh, Peterborough team was Daniel Ryder. Mm, close. Um, well, for Oilers fans, it was Liam Reddick's oh, Oilers Jesus. star, but for actual NHL fans, it was Jordan Stahl. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jordan Stahl. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh geez. <laughs> He's about the uh, like literally. If I wasn't an Oilers fan, I mean, I know Steve Downey. He had kind of, but if I was an Oilers fan, 
the only name I recognize out of that is Jordan Stahl, other than than Liam Reddick's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, four two. Did you find the the goal? Uh, I'm still start. I'm still searching. I know. I remember he scored a backhand. Uh, a backhand breakaway. Um, I just can't. I I can't. Um. Yeah, I can't find it. But I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep looking here. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I uh, I think I remember it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see if you can uh, you can find it. You can keep trying to find it while we get our uh, our next guest on the show. Well, we had him on last season with no Wildcats to talk about till at least the new year and the World Juniors starting back up. You know what? We thought, why not bring on the OG of junior hockey and dare say the biggest fan of any event that's got Canada in it. We're pleased again to be joined by Flames color analyst Peter Lubardius. Peter, how are you tonight? I am uh, awesome, guys. I'm fantastic. Uh, I mean, first question, how close are you to be done your Christmas shopping? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, what day is it today? December the 8th? Yeah. Yeah, not even started. <laughs> oh, you're like me. You're like me. I'll, not I'll, even, not, not even started. Yeah, folks. I'll, I'll finish up on uh, the 24th and uh, yeah, they'll call it a day at that point. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, the only reason I'm done this early is because I got to ship everything back to uh, back to Alberta, my family. So, uh, speaking of Alberta, I mean the World Juniors just got back, started today after the 14 day quarantine. Uh, you and Derek called a lot of the Flames game in the bubble. Uh, that was a major success. Do you see that translating for the World Juniors? Are we going to have a World Juniors? I mean, that's the million dollar question. You know what, guys? I- I'm not sure. Um, you know, with the health situation that's going on everywhere in the world and certainly with certain areas in our country you know with cases at an all-time high for the pandemic it's you know listen these are these are confusing times now one parallel that i would draw and i'm not sure how it truly applies is a couple of things and that is you know, even for the NHL, when they made their way into the bubble, they knew that there was the potential for things to go wrong at that point in phase two and phase three. Now, this situation, you know, we've already heard from around the world. We know what's happened in the Canadian camp. Uh, we know about the Americans. We know about the Swedes. We know about the Germans. Um, you know, this is the time. I truly feel with all the experience that they have in putting this on and the great job that Edmonton did, you know in these situations, guys, that the key is having everybody get into the bubble. You feel like once that you're in, you've got a chance and you should be able to manage it. Mm-hmm. But the NHL situation almost went flawless. These are kids, and the other part of it is is that they're coming, you know, from lots and lots of different countries. But the NHL at a certain point in time, you know, the difference was going into the summer is, and guess what? It's happening in the NHL right now as we speak with players coming back to North America, either Canada or the United States, from Europe you know, where they have to give themselves the right amount of time to quarantine before they're able to go forward. So, um, like so many things, you know, we're kind of in an hour-by-hour type situation, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if the tournament doesn't get played. But I'm hopeful that it will. 
Um, I love it. And, you know, these decisions run farther up the flagpole than I'd ever <laughs> want to be involved yeah. in. And you're just, you're not going to appease absolutely everyone. So everybody involved, I think, is trying their best. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I know today that there was lots of lots of criticism on social media, and, and I get it. I mean, I've had some tough conversations, you know, even with my own friend group. So it's not easy. Everybody wants the best. Nobody wants anyone, you know, to be sick. Um, and you also don't necessarily want to miss people to miss out on opportunity either. So I know a long-winded typical answer, but this one isn't easy. No, for sure. And that's that kind of, I have like, you know, Sweden had their coach and they've got four players or something like, is the tournament based on, you know, we might have seven or eight teams, like the eight healthiest, or if they lose a couple teams, like if Sweden pulls out and, you know, Germany pulls out, do they still try and go ahead with it? Or just, we want the best kids under 20 at this tournament. And if there's no Sweden, no Germany or whatever countries aren't there, there's no point holding this tournament. Do you think? Well, listen, at a certain point in time, the IIHF and tournament organizers and everybody involved with, in the first place, taking on this kind of an endeavor will have to make that type of a decision. And it's not unlike, you know, when the National Hockey League or what we've seen guys happen every week in the NFL, you know, Mm -hmm. what happened in baseball – the thing that I truly believe people have to wrap their heads around is there was going to, like, it wasn't going to be a flawless situation. It just, you know, that part, you have to understand that that's not going to be the case. And we have to kind of decide that if it's not going to be completely ideal, is it worth it? So, you know, again, my whole thing um, listen, maybe even right now, I know for some people, because of some key members of Team Sweden that aren't going to be able to make it, mm-hmm. the tournament feels different. But you guys tell me this. What in 2020 doesn't feel different? <laughs> and yeah. just, just, to, just to have you think about something I've thought about this afternoon, um, do we completely disregard the tournament in years where Canada might have five or six different players not available because they're playing in the national hockey league. Yep. No, it's that, that you're so right. Like the only normal thing, and it really hasn't been all that normal is the NFL. Um, and even that, like no fans and, you know, moving games from, you know, the Ravens play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the Steelers are all over the place. It's, there's been nothing normal about this year, so a World Juniors that's not normal wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Well, you know, like that's like that's the thing for me. Listen, and and I, and I said this to my my dear friend Sam Cosentino today, and and I mean it. And if between health and risk and everything that goes on, if the World Junior is canceled for this year. I'm okay, yeah. but I'm also not going to criticize those who are trying to make it happen. Now, you know, we can have all kinds of debate about why this tournament is being pushed and maybe some other events 
um, haven't been pushed. I don't know, guys. I, there's there's just times right now that I find I'm pretty fatigued by. We always seem to have a focus and an understanding of why things shouldn't be. I just want to give people the opportunity to think about, you know, how about coming up with solutions rather than what can't be? Mm-hmm. But in this case, I get it. If you told me, because guess what? Do I question some things about this tournament and it going on? Sure, I do. But if it's going to go on, and, you know, especially for the kids, if they only have a certain amount of time to potentially be involved, then in, in my own way, I want them to be okay with whatever decision it is that they and their parents, that they want. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought up uh, Sam Cosentino's name earlier because I do want to point out that he did take the L uh, <laughs> against uh, against our Jacob Stewart in the uh, Memorial I, E Cup. I, um, <laughs> so I wanted I to point that out. Um, so just you know why I didn't play, right? <laughs> well, I, you know because because I, I haven't played video games since Pong back in like the <laughs> 1970s. But I, like. <sighs> How long, how much longer do they have to make the, this decision when whether the tournament's going to go ahead or not? Because you got to think like these these teams are flying in. I believe it's this weekend. Uh, they and, are. Yeah, and this is fairly new. I mean, Alberta's just announced, uh, you know, that uh, arenas are going to be you know closed for the next four weeks. For four weeks. There you go. Like, mm-hmm. is that's that's something we have to take into consideration here? Like, how much longer can can they wait? to, you know, make the decision whether this tournament's going to go ahead or not. What these things always come down to is one thing. What are the rules? Who's making them? And what are people okay with? Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, the, the bottom line in this event for me is and I'm trying to put this the best way that I can with the knowledge that I have. If you can get people into this bubble, they're basically, you know, outside of, you know, hotel workers and whatever you do, the same way the NHL went through it to try and completely control the environment. Like it's, it's not like we're saying here comes, you know, 10 groups of 40 people from around the world and we're just going to let them do what they want. Like the bottom line is guys, let's not forget this week that one of the reasons that guys are dropping out is because they didn't make the cut. They can't Mm -hmm. come. Mm -hmm. And, and, and those protocols are all about trying to prevent people from getting on airplanes that aren't healthy. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is until you get to the end of the week with all the testing that is done and you can truly determine how many, whether it's teams or players are available, how do you make that decision? Hmm. Now you can make it tomorrow because Jason Kenny might say, we're not having this in our city. It's done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah, and he's if he calls that, then there's nothing, 
nothing they can right, do because you can't you can't flip this to Toronto uh, that quickly and put all these protocols in place for a bubble and just move these kids. Um, right. If the per- if if the federal government if the federal government decides tonight or tomorrow it's done. Yeah. It's done, and we've had all kinds of situation, including you know the Toronto Raptors, the Toronto Blue Jays. They couldn't play in this country under the existing situation. Yep. Now, again, this is not that because, as I've said, and I apologize for going back, and, and I'm, listen, this is just my opinion, and I'm sorry I'm getting some feedback, so it's it's been a tad difficult at times. But, you know, I just think people need to remember that this isn't how the NFL is going about its business. This this is how the NBA primarily and the NHL tried to go about its business. But the cases are different all across the world right now, by and large. I think we're, you know, they're talking about vaccines being unveiled and mm-hmm. people will have a chance starting right away. So we're getting closer. And you're right, guys. At a certain point in time this week, they may say, listen, we just, we can't. Yeah. We can't do it doesn't look right um we don't feel right about it there's been too much public backlash the tournament you know its integrity has been diminished because either teams or too many good players who aren't available aren't playing but even in the earlier example that i brought up i mean okay what exactly is ideal and i just don't see anywhere in our world right now that is ideal and if you talk about this tournament as i mentioned every single year well the only time this tournament is kind of ever been ideal if you're talking about the best players available to every country is when the nhl is not in session yeah so outside of that like you you never like listen forget about health situation and maybe it would be different. But if the world was the way it should be, I mean, we, we're not going to have Alexi Lafreniere. We're not going to have Jack Hughes. We're not going to have Capo Caco. That's not about COVID. Nope. Were you surprised the Rangers didn't uh, didn't allow him to come? Didn't allow Lafreniere? The Rangers didn't? Yeah. Like maybe, I, no, I, I, I thought no, they might no, because I'm to never, get him used to, right? Never surprised. Um, and the reason that I'm never surprised is I, I know the world well enough to know, depending on the kid's situation, um, you know, teams invest a lot of money and they generally, you know, cause they're paying the bills get to decide certainly to a great extent of how they want to properly protect their, their key pieces. Mm-hmm. And so the Rangers, whether it's Capo or whether it's Alexi, have decided, you know, they've both played in the tournament. They've both won a gold medal. Um, you know, in Capo Caco's case, he's already played a full season in the National Hockey League. There does come a point in time where, you know, that ship has sailed. Now, there's never a doubt given the opportunity for the kids, I don't, you know, I think if you sat Alexi in a room right now, and I mean, I don't know him well, so I don't ever think necessarily the kids don't necessarily want to play, but business is business. And here's what none of us really like to do. 
we don't like to upset our employers. You know why? Because <laughs> they pay our bills. Yeah, don't don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, it's it's yes. not, yeah. Because yes. he's he's one injury away from you know the Tavares situation in the Olympics and you know not being able mm-hmm. uh, whenever the NHL season comes, which could be January thirteenth. Um, also, I mean, he's had so much success here in the queue last year's tournament. Like, what does he have left? It's almost like does he does it hurt him to go to the juniors as opposed to not play hockey and be ready, healthy for training camp? you know, in 10 days or whatever for an, a January 13th season. So I thought maybe they'd send them um, because they didn't know when an NHL season was coming, but I completely understand why they wouldn't because he's one freak anything away from, um, I mean, he got slightly injured in last year's tournament and it was a, it was a worry on his draft stock. So I, I completely right. understand why teams don't want to send their guys, especially when, like you said, they've had, uh, they've had a lot of success. So, uh, well, he's played. He's played in it twice already. Yep. And and he was the tournament MVP and a gold medalist. Yeah. What has he got left? Like like, listen, <laughs> as as a Canadian guy through and through, you know, if the tournament's played, would I like to have the best junior age player in the world on my favorite team? Well, of course I would. <laughs> yeah, we all. But would. I can also I can also step back and understand, you know, where where the Rangers are coming from. And gents, I can tell you this firsthand. There have been kids over the years given a choice by their NHL teams to go back and play, and they have said no. Not necessarily that they don't want to compete in the tournament. There have been players that haven't gone back and played or were nervous about it because they thought it was going to affect their spot on the NHL team. And, you know, it doesn't matter what anyone jobs especially highly highly competitive jobs you know listen um you know i got really really sick a few years ago and i missed like 10 or 11 games i'd never missed any games before well i'd be i'd be lying to you if i didn't tell you that you're not thinking a little bit at least about oh my goodness maybe somebody decides that you know so and so can do this a little bit better the old Wally Pip. That's that's life. <laughs> um, out in your neck of the woods in in Calgary and Alberta re- uh, area, uh, the WHL is looking to to get back. Um, do you have any, I guess, info on on what what a season in the WHL could look like or may look like? I mean, I, I've said it a few times, not on here, but to other people. I mean, that's a that's a league that can do the division. Like the Quebec is only playing inner division the WHL could survive like that, especially with the U S team, which also makes it a little bit more difficult. Do you, bringing it home to the, the scope of the CHL is it is, do we see a CHL? Like is the WHL going to get going? Do you think? Well, I mean, you know, they're doing everything they possibly can. Guess what? The news that you talked about, even coming out of Alberta today is not helping, mm-hmm. you know? So January 8th was the day that Ron Robison and, you know, outside of, at that point in time, frankly, what they're now dealing with, you know, even worse health restrictions and government restrictions, um, they were they were getting set and ready to play in a scenario where, you know, it, it would be a division-by-division division approach in hopes that, 
you know, health would get better somewhere along the line. And then maybe at some point in time you could cross over. But no, I mean, in, in the Western League, the plan is, you know, if you're in Alberta, you're going to play amongst the groups in Alberta. If you're in, you know, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, you're going to stay there and play in those groups. And yeah. in BC, those groups are going to play. And in the U.S. division, they're going to play. But I think they're going to do everything in their power to try and have some sort of season. But, you know, right now there's there's nothing that's good news when you think about where the health situation is and what they're trying to get done. 100%. Kind of moving you can't on. do business if people don't let you in arenas. Yeah, that's yeah. It's true. They're, they're, like work, it, they're working at playing video know, like games, it, but... You know, unless the Western League is going to go inside. Oh, yeah. that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in Alberta. Yeah. Spe- yeah. Uh, moving on, I guess, to the OHL. Um, the I guess the, the, no, uh, the no body contact, the no hitting rule seems to be, uh, you know, on a lot of people's minds. Uh, what's your, uh, uh, I guess, approach or uh, opinion on that one? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, um, I think I just... I think I just gave you my opinion, so let's, uh, let's, let's pretty much leave it right there. Listen, you know, um, I'm not being critical. It is what it is. It's pretty hard to play the sport of hockey without some form of contact. Listen, you know, technically in the women's game, there is no body checking. Yeah. But let's not kid anybody there is a boatload of physical contact yes there is yes. so um you know and for those listening who maybe haven't spent very much time watching women's hockey or female hockey at any kind of level trust me i've seen you watch canada go at it with the united states uh, you're not going to be shy on contact i've watched nhl games that you know <laughs> wouldn't some nights have the same amount of contact and battles that they have. So yeah, it's just, you know, it's, you, you, you try to do everything you can to make that happen, but yeah, I think I've said more than enough. On this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We won't, we won't go there anymore. Uh, I guess what's your, let, let's say the, let's go back to the world juniors. Let's say that, uh, you know, it's all, uh, we get we get rolling. Uh, tournament goes ahead. We get in a bubble. We got we get in a bubble. Uh, what's your mm-hmm. uh, what's your outlook for Team Canada? Where do you uh, where do you see them fit into this tournament? And uh, you know favorites uh, favorite wise, do you, do you see them uh, you know coming out with another gold medal? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I I do. Um, I, I think it's a tremendous group. I think it's one of our deepest groups in a long long time. You know, probably my only, I won't call it a concern, but the only area of the team that I don't think is as deep. I I love the forward group. I think it's as deep as we've been in a long time. I I think it's a defensive core that has great players. Um, You know, right now, the fact of the matter is, can I tell you who I truly think the favorite is in goal? No. But I also think that in some regards, this team, you know, might not necessarily need potentially 
the type of goaltending. I, I don't see I don't I don't see a a group anywhere else that has the kind of depth Canada has. But I will say this. The United States explosive ability up front, depending on health. Guys, think about the draft a couple of years ago and how deep it was in that 01 U.S. birthday. That's one of their greatest birthdays ever. And, mm-hmm. and that's the 19-year-old group. And the other thing that the United States has going for it, you know, when you think about all their offensive weapons, Caulfield and Zegris and Turcotte and keep going down the line. So they're, they're in a really explosive group of forwards, especially at the top end. Kaliev, you know, so so they probably match us there. I don't think they're quite as good on the back, but in Spencer Knight and Dustin Wolf, they have the best goaltending, I think. So that's a big advantage. Um, you know, the Swedes have a great goaltending tandem. The Russians, who I watched play three games as basically a group recently, when they beat in Helsinki to win the Karyala Cup, they're a formidable group. So, yeah, I'd say we're I'd say we're the favorite. But listen, just go back and watch this tournament unfold the last ten years, especially when we get to the final four, and tell me how much there has really been to choose most years between those teams. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I love this tournament so much is just that they're 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 just. The difference between winning and losing now at the World Junior has never been minute between the top four or five countries. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter where or who plays. It's always who gets hot at the right time getting into right. the Final Four. And um, so, I, like, you have to win three one-game showdowns. Yeah, and so and so. Sorry to take it back, but if you look at this year in comparison to last year. So last year, Canada was in, you know, what I call kind of the the group of death. They had the Americans, the Russians, and the Czechs. Mm -hmm. Um, So this year, Canada isn't in as difficult around Robin. I mean, their toughest game should be against the Finns. but, But you know what that means, guys? This tournament is all about the crossover. So Canada probably has some easier sailing to get through the round robin, but guess what happens? Like, look at who the top three teams figure to be when you cross over. So let's just say you drop your game to Finland to finish second in your group. Well, now that probably means you're getting either the U.S., the Swedes, or the Russians in in a quarterfinal. In a quarterfinal. Yeah. <laughs> Long are the days when we got that quarterfinal against Austria or Belarus. Like, well, I all mean, the countries are catching it up. And it... against if Canada wins its group, and I do believe they should win their group. Yep. You know, you, you're going to get the checks. So, yes. But I'm saying if you stumble and fall, the other group can stumble and fall. It's not as important to be first in the other group. No, there's always where you don't want to be in the other group is fourth because that probably means you have to deal with Canada. Yeah, and there's usually one or two upsets that just or one or two teams that surprises in that two three spot on on both sides. Whether I mean Switzerland is always always tough. They they usually like it's not a tournament that is just you know it's not uh, a Canada U S Russia tournament. There's as the top three Sweden's no, getting better. No, They've it's, got it's five. issues. Yeah, 
Sweden. For Finland. me, it's five. Um, did you see like when you were watching some of the selection camp before we had that fourteen day uh, quarantine mm-hmm. period? Like a lot of people thought the Q players would just be that much better because they've had a few games under their belt. Did you see that, or um, do you think now? I mean, you know, a Bowen Byram doesn't need to play a month of hockey to get ready for a World Junior. He's ready to go. Um, do you see it kind of evening out and getting a little more even now that they've all had that rest period? I'm not sure. It's, you know what? That's an awesome question. I did potentially early expect, you know, the guys from the queue to have a bit of an edge. But I always look at these situations this way. I mean, as you guys well know, this is the elite of the elite. Yep. And, and so when the motivation and the training, you know, that, that doesn't replace some of the timing and how sharp you are. But even with that, it's not like, you know, they put an all Q team together and then let them all play. You know, they, they mix and mingle, obviously. But I certainly, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, and, and I certainly watched both those games in earnest from start to finish. I didn't see much of an edge for anybody, to be honest, outside of after the second game. What was clear to me? Well, guess what? This just in, Kirby Doc, you're probably the best guy here. <laughs> uh, Bowen, Bowen Byram looks like he's ready to run the circus, whether it's one ring, two ring, or three ring. <laughs> looks like he's ready to be... Thomas Shabbat of 2017. Um, You know, that kind of competition, yes, you missed out on, you know, in some cases 14 or 15 games, but I don't know about you guys. I I didn't see it as a huge, huge advantage for guys from the queue. And and even, you know, players like Jacob Pelche, who obviously I have great interest in, uh, and I think without a doubt, will find his way onto the team and, you know, other players from the queue. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, to be frank, they should have had an edge. Yeah. Shane Wright. Uh, where do you see, or first, does he make team Canada? Um, and what, what do you see his role being uh, on the team as, you know, being such a, such a young player, one of the, probably one of the youngest players in the tournament. Well, he, he's an incredible talent. Uh, he's one of the smartest, most driven players I've seen come along probably since the guy in Pittsburgh that wears 87. Who's that again? Um, (laughs) and he's pretty good. Um, now, but in saying that just because of the kind of group that we're talking about, and I guess, you know, when you talk about Sydney in his first year, that was an incredibly deep group in 04 I was there in Helsinki and you know Sydney played a pretty good role so you know at this point if I was guessing yes he makes the team um remember we have an expanded roster and you know today from what I saw when they were playing would he be a for sure top 13 forward not necessarily, but he always strikes me, though, as someone that the longer he is around and the more opportunities that he gets, my guess is that his role will potentially grow. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen him play much. Oh, 
like in the O. I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen him play much. If I'm he reminds me of honest. Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that I I like that comparison because he literally Patrice Bergeron came out of nowhere. Uh, I, I remember him playing up in Bathurst, and uh, you know I think they were he was drafted by the Bruins, and you know he I think Bathurst was expecting him back. Uh, the next, uh, you know, for that upcoming season. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he make the Bruins roster out of camp? Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah it was a so second-round was... pick in hmm. that great draft of 2003. Patrice Bergeron helped Canada win the World Men's Championship before he was the best player in the 05 World Junior. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so was, that was a, that was a big kick in the in the you know what to Bathurst because they were <laughs> they were looking to take uh, to go to that next step with uh, with Patrice Bergeron. I remember? Yeah, that was uh, that was a big shock. I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, I do what listen. To... I I've been lucky enough. You know, I was living in Whitby at the time when John Tavares was fifteen and played in Oshawa and did incredible things. Um, you know, I saw Jason Spezza in a situation where he made our world junior team. I saw Jay Bolmeister at 16. Um, Take a look, guys. Think about it this way. Look at Shane Wright's numbers in major junior hockey in a 15-year-old season. Those are ridiculous. Yeah. Those are ridiculous numbers. So um, he is in tough. I'm not going to tell you that he isn't, and he's in tough because of the great depth that the Canadian group has it forward. So because of the expanded roster, do I see him making the team? I probably do. Now, how much he's going to play is going to depend on him. And it's going to depend on, you know, other people trying to make sure that he doesn't get a chance to see the light of day because at 18 or 19, they're just better and better suited for, what team Canada is trying to get done, but this guy is, he is a tremendous hockey player. The, uh, obviously we're hoping for some sort of season in the WHL and that they got their first exempt or exceptional player in, in Connor Bedard. Um, you know, I tune into the Rod Peterson show. He talks about him all the time. Where does, uh, Connor Bedard fall with, you know, following kind of Shane Wright in back to back years of, of exceptional status? Well, great question. I don't have an easy answer because Connor Bedard is one of the few players that I have yet to see with my own two eyes to this point, except on video. I had two or three opportunities last season, but my schedule and his time in Calgary didn't, I I just didn't get a chance to go see him in person. And in fact, I had a trip planned for later in the year to have a chance to go watch him in either March or April. But we all know what happened in March. Yeah. So I have yet to see him outside of, I've seen some video. I've talked to lots of people. I know, I know this, the Western Hockey League has never made that exception for anyone. So, you know, he's a terrific player and a terrific talent. He's done some nice things over in the Swedish Junior League. I would say this. What, ex- what, what always just excites me is, you know, when you have players like this in your leagues and in your hometowns 
to have an opportunity to go watch. So special kid. I hear great things. Um, see some terrific things on tape and on video. And honestly, I can't wait for the first opportunity I get to feast my peepers on him <laughs> in person. It's just, it's just rare for me that he, it hasn't worked out yet for me. I want to swing it back to, to Jacob Pelche, uh, kind of moving on from the world junior talk, but um, you know, you've, you've watched him play a lot, uh, you know, covering the flames, how far, or how far out is he uh, in terms of, you know, when will it, when do you think he makes his NHL debut? And, you know, when do you see him being an NHL regular? Well, I, I need some more viewings. Uh, you know, if the World Junior happens, I think that'll give an even better evaluation of potentially just how close he is or how far away. Um, I love this player. He's just, he's so intelligent. Uh, I call him a bit of a Swiss army knife. He can do everything for you. Um, you can use him anywhere. He's versatile, kills penalties. And listen, you guys know way more about him than I do. But I know this. He strikes me as a guy who absolutely loves the game and loves to win and wants to win. Remember that in his draft year, he opted to go play again for his country, and he wasn't even 100%. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any any young man who cared enough about trying to help his country win a world championship, even though it meant he couldn't be at his best, that tells me a lot about the character of Jacob Pelche. Another thing that tells me a lot about the character of Jacob Pelche, the Valdor Ferrer made him the captain. He wasn't even in their organization. So this is a special guy. Um, There's little doubt in my mind that he is going to play. He's going to find his way in. And I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but as I already said once, so I don't really need to say it twice, but I will. Uh, If he... He plays if the world junior happens, and there's little doubt in my mind that he's going to be part of the team. You call me back a couple weeks after that event's over, I'll uh, I'll give you an even better evaluation. I like it. I he's like a good it. player. Yeah, he, he is he, a good good player, and I don't have to tell you guys. That. <laughs> you know, we've had the chance to watch him for three years, and uh, you know, it's um, he's probably one of my favorite players to ever put on a Wildcats jersey. Um, maybe that's because I'm a Flames fan, but, uh, you know, he had a really good chance to win here in Moncton last year, you know, the COVID hit, but, um, you know, I think he's got a really good shot in Valdor and, uh, there's some, uh, early speculation is that, uh, Valdor, we will be picking up, uh, Nathan, the Garay from, uh, Bay Como. So that's going to, you know, make their team even better. So, uh, I think he's got a really good shot this year to finally get that president's cup and, uh, maybe a Memorial cup. Yeah, I'm not excited well, if that he, he... if he wins a world junior, that wouldn't break my heart either. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, no, right. wouldn't break. I got no problem cheering for him in Team Canada, but when he puts no. on that other red sweater in the NHL... I uh, get it. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll I, see. I uh, it. Spe- you. you know, speaking of NHL... I think I'll be cheering for this guy for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I will too. I can't... Uh, he's he's one of my favorite players. Um, speaking of NHL, uh, do you think the we get any legs on the All-Canadian division um, and changing some things up? I know... 
I can't remember if it was LeBron or Drager saying they needed two thirds of the votes, but um, you know, in an unprecedented year that we're living in now, do you, are you in fa- first of all, are you in favor of an all Canadian division? Um, but do you think the NHL who doesn't necessarily like to change will change that given that they kind of have to, or maybe have to? Well, well, I don't think they have any choice. And with the health situation right now, I think they have even less choice. And am I in favor of it? How do you spell Y E S with the biggest Y, the biggest E, and the biggest S possible? Yeah. Absolutely 100 plus percent. In fact, I've said this on a number of different shows. Depending on how it goes and its success, because I think it's going to be very successful, understand the travel and. Um, probably won't be able to do it in the same kind of form. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, guys. I wouldn't look at it longer term. Ooh, I like that. I, mean, I, I Listen, um, now again, the great thing about having a 50-plus-year-old on and, and having the young perspective is at times, you know, we all matter, and yet we all have really different ideas about what we like and what we don't. Mm-hmm. I personally, I love rivalry. Yes. And I love building them. And I will trade, even if it means I don't get to see some of the league's best players sometimes, as often as I'd like. Now, the other caveat to that, and again, that's, you know, COVID stinks. Nobody's ever going to say anything. But, but if it gives us an opportunity to learn, because sometimes you have no choice, to me, that's a real positive. Um. So I'm excited about the Canadian division because I think it'll be unbelievably competitive. It's at a time where there are a lot of Canadian teams who are like on the precipice of being really, really good and getting better. I mean, even Ottawa, you know, they're probably not ready now to make the playoffs in a, if four teams get in out of seven, but they're going to be better. So I think the hockey is going to be unbelievable. I think I think fans across our country will will love it. Maybe not. Now the only downfall for me is depending how many times everybody plays one another. When does it become too much? Yeah. But but I'll take too many rivalry games outside of you know Tuesday night in January against you know, New Jersey or somebody that (laughs) just doesn't, you know, give you anywhere near the same kind of feeling. And that's not, listen, New Jersey's getting better too. Yeah. And there's lots of guys there that I really like and (laughs) enjoy, but I think you guys know what my point is. Yeah. The, uh, the coupon night or the bring your family to the rink night. Cause you know, it's, you know, Calgary, New Jersey isn't going to sell tickets like Calgary and, and Ottawa. And like you said, I mean, every team in Canada is, early on contenders to to hoist the Stanley Cup and even Ottawa is not going to be an easy out this year with with uh Matt Murray and Nett and they you know Tim Stutzel and and they've made some Thomas Shabbat on the back end they've made some moves so I yeah I think give me a Canadian division I think it'd be the best division in the NHL I think it'd be a lot of fun and uh yeah excited as all get out about it even though you know I'll probably be spending uh, a lot of nights I don't know yet um, for a number of reasons. I don't quite know yet, but I know that I had to broadcast games out of a boardroom during the playoffs. And 
you know, again, for this year, I'm not sure sure how many games I'll be seeing in person, but, you know, can't wait to uh, see what a Canadian division would look like. That was my second last question for you, was what was that like to call games out of a broadcast uh, room, boardroom? Well, you know what, it, it, needless to say, from the time I was a little guy, uh, my favorite thing about sports is being at the games. Yeah. You know, it's it's why I got in the business. I love live sports. I love being a part of live sports, whether it's watching them or broadcasting them. Um, those are my favorite things. So, you know, I still, I still really enjoyed calling the games. It's certainly not what you'd like. It's something that, to be honest, um, is somewhat concerning, understanding that, the landscape has changed, and, and I think a lot of us are going to be in for potentially less travel and doing more games that way because it's more cost-efficient. And so that's kind of the negative part. The positive part is, as of this very moment, um, I still get an opportunity to do something that I love to do and continue a career involved in sports and at a time when people don't necessarily know how they're going to feed their families um i'm just more thankful and more grateful for what i have the ability to do you know including coming on and talking to you guys so you know i'm getting older and as long as people think it's okay to call me and talk about hockey or any other sport i'm good uh yeah no anytime we get to uh hear you call a game is you know you're one of the best to do it, whether it was junior hockey whether it was on whl on shaw um you know flames orders it doesn't matter listening to you call games is a treat and i know that uh following you on twitter your your young man is quite the uh quite the announcer with nascar <laughs> so looks like he's taking uh you, you give him any tips or uh you just kind of take that you on know, and, and, and run with it thanks for bringing it up it no makes worries. me smile um far more than anything I do anymore. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a funny story. My son, Kale, who's, who's on the spectrum, um, you know, his, his great love and great passion is, is NASCAR. Um, I can say this now, and, and he's really helped me look at NASCAR differently, but I used to describe to my friends, NASCAR, for me, was put a penny in the toilet and flush. That's NASCAR. <laughs> um, so... So my son is absolutely in love with the sport and the drivers. And I actually am biased, but, you know, he loves to call it. And, you know, I'm not sure he's in the right country to to do it for a (laughs) living. But uh, it's, listen, every time I hear him do it and and get a chance to post it, it just, just makes me smile. And I can only hope for my son, and I have no idea where – his road is going to take him. But if I can help in any way, or he's picked up a bit of the bug, like I don't take any credit at all. I really <laughs> don't. He, he has kind of taught himself like, forget about me. But uh, yeah, if he has half the joy going forward in his life based on calling events or calling races, I, uh, that's all I could hope for him. Yep. For sure. It's, that's uh, what that's what makes us as parents proud is our, our kids find something that they enjoy, yeah. and, they, and they do it really well. Whether it's you know the family business broadcasting like you, or it's their own path, um, doesn't matter what what they do as long as they uh, as long as they enjoy it. 
No, I agree with you. And yes, would it? With some days, would I like it to be hockey rather than NASCAR <laughs> or baseball rather than NASCAR? Maybe, but. He loves it, and he knows so much about it, it almost scares me some days. So, it's, you're right. That's exactly, I, I say this about my kid to a lot of different people. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to teach my son what he has already taught me. For sure. Well, I uh, we really appreciate you coming on. We'll uh, You're obviously busy. We'll let you get back to your Christmas shopping list, get that started. Uh, you're <laughs> yeah, ru- you're running out of time. Great. Although I think this Sunday we got a pretty big, uh, pretty big football matchup: Vikings Buccaneers. Right? You know what? Uh, here's what I'll leave you with. Um, I have watched those guys this year for about seven total quarters. Oh, that's it. All right. Because uh, self-admittedly, I've kind of reached the point with that group. <laughs> They're like that family member that you love, but you sure as hell don't like them very much. <laughs> Everybody calls him Uncle Bob. That's yeah. just that's an Uncle Bob. Yeah, they it's... drive me crazy. They've given me fifty years of a lot of grief. And in COVID, I'll tell you what I don't need to do. I don't need to do what I do is be upset watching them for three hours and then upset at my poor wife and my stepdaughter for another three hours. <laughs> so and every time I kinda let them back in. Yeah. Like, I watched the Green Bay game for three quarters early in the year. Of course, I didn't. When I don't watch, they play pretty well. Yeah. So then I went a few weeks ago, let's watch the Dallas game. (laughs) Well, you know how that worked out. Yeah. I'm not watching Sunday. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's the life of a Buccaneers fan for the past, uh, well, 13 years, especially last year. This year's a little bit different, but it's... uh, Yeah. Try 50. Yeah. No, I, yeah, you got me there. But uh, all right, Peter, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see if we can get you on again after the World Juniors and uh, get your take on the tournament. Be well, guys. Always appreciate it. Uh, stay well and uh, take care of yourselves. Bye you now. as well. Right. Bye-bye. Man, that I love having Peter Labardis on. That guy's knowledge of junior hockey, hockey in general, is just, like he said, I mean, he's been a Vikings fan for 50 years, but... Um, it's just a pleasure to talk to him every time we uh, we have him on. It's a pleasure to talk to him. I could listen to his voice. Uh, you know, he's just such a he just knows uh, knows his hockey. Yeah. Um, and I remember this was long before you know Apelte Che. This was like three years, three or four years ago. And I was listening to him on uh, on, on Sports at nine sixty in uh, in Calgary. And I don't know what they were talking about, but he said Valdor Ferrer. And ever s- since I heard him say that, I was like, man, I need to hear him say that again, <laughs> just because of the way he said it. And, yeah. and he said it on the show yeah. um, in the segment. And I was like, oh man, it just, he just says the name like it's like, it should be like, it should be said with that, you know, just, just his voice and everything. He's just a, I, I love that. I love, I love Lubardius. He's amazing. He's literally the voice of junior hockey that we grew up listening to. Especially out in Alberta with WHL on Shaw, and you know, both of us have our teams. He's been the color guy for both teams. So, um, did you find that goal? Uh, I am actually still uh, still looking for it, but uh, maybe it's I, I I know it's I know it's that I know it's that goal. Yeah. Because um, Marshawn's other famous one that you enjoy was from the Vancouver game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was the semifinal one, right? That was semifinal when it was all. I mean, Marshan scored it, but it was all uh, all Matt Marquardt on that one. I, I don't. I, I know it's. I know. I know it's because it's. It was the insurance. It was the goal to make it four two. It was about five minutes left, and yeah, fifty five twenty six. And third. it was a breakaway, and he went backhand. That's all. I I just can't find. I, I just can't find the goal. So did you have tickets to the Mum Cup? I did. You were at every game in the arena. Uh, I was at every game in the arena. How'd you get those? Because uh, that's when I worked at. Um, that's when I worked at the Delta, which is now the Marriott downtown, um, and it was the host hotel for Peterborough. Right. Um, and so because I worked, I you know I, I'd get tickets from the front desk or from you know the food and beverage. The only ticket I didn't have was for the championship game. Worked out. Um, which ended up getting a ticket because one of the players from Peterborough basically said, here you go, we're leaving. We're oh, really? taking off. So he gave me his ticket to the championship game. Nice. Um, because I gave him, he wanted to go golfing or something like that. Um, and I gave him, I don't know, I, I booked a tee time for him or something like that. At, I forget where it was, Royal Oaks maybe. Uh, and if, because I did that for him, <laughs> because he couldn't pick up a phone by himself and book yeah. a tea time, he gave me tickets to the championship game. So, um, yeah, it was, um, no, I, I don't think I paid much for my tickets. So they were just hand-me-downs from the hotel. So I can, I, I, could, I couldn't complain. No. And that's all the money that you, all the money saved on tickets you used for, uh, beer sales. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that was a good, uh, good time. I still do you remember. have to get, do you have to buy season tickets for one year to get those tickets or was it like a three year pack? I you think remember. you had to, if you bought season tickets for the full, for that season, I think you automatically got a Memorial Cup seat. Or you got a chance at yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a good time. That makes sense. Let's, uh, let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Eric Murray Realty. Buy a house from him. Stick tap of the week. Well, folks, uh, we are getting down to the uh, to the wire where some rumors start uh, start floating in. And, sure, doesn't uh, feel like it when they played seven, yeah, eleven games and yeah. then they take a month off. And Sherbrooke's zero and five. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's all goaltending there. Which if if he shows up yeah, to the World Juniors, he should uh, should turn their season around. Hundred percent. So uh, it's not. It was not Mikael Lalonset, but Jerome Godreau front of the uh Sherbrooke Phoenix Phoenix journalist random yeah I don't think this guy's ever broken a trade on, on Twitter but um you know we finally got our first uh, trade leak and uh mentioned it earlier in the uh segment with uh with Peter <laughs> uh Nathan Legare going from Baycomo to Valdor which I mean just is going to make them even better um I don't I think you said it off 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 air it's like we're probably they're probably not going to have any money to live on for the next season, so <laughs> might as well as go in all this year. And, yeah, if there's, uh, if, you know, hopefully we keep all the teams coming back. But yeah. I mean, some of the small market teams, if 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 it's not working out, sell it all, get a championship, and be done. No, but Valdor is such a historic franchise, though. I, I yeah, just, I can't see. You it. know, I can't. Uh, they'll they'll be around for a while. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty. I mean, hey, that's the first uh, the first domino to fall and. Um, you know, we've got a, we've got a couple of dominoes here that, uh, that, that could be dangled. So, uh, we'll see. Um, also, uh, go get 50 wings at, for 50 bucks at sports rock because it's, I mean, man, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if, if it's, uh, 
you know, 50 wings for 50 bucks. If you can finish that yourself as one individual person, you are quite the uh, quite the tank. Did you? God, no. I might have had 20, <laughs> 25. So. I mean, you everyone loves you, you enjoy wings. So oh, I, I just love wings. how many you got through. Yeah, I, the best part is that they don't put the sauce on them because I know with 50 wings, they're going to make them super soggy. Yeah. So it's all on the side, which is, you know, nice touch. What kind did you get? Uh, honey, garlic, mild, um, sweet chili, and medium. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't go with a spicy sauce just because if I only if if I had a super spicy sauce, I'd only be able to eat like five because my mouth's on fire. So yeah, I was a big honey garlic supporter. <laughs> the stick tap of the week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. And this week's, uh, you know, last time we didn't have Wildcats hockey, we gave it to Wild Willie, so I can't give it to him again. Uh, so this week's Wildcast E Wildcat of the Week comes from the video game world. Uh, the Wildcats took an 8-2 victory, and it was on the back of a four-goal second-period performance by Gabriel Forge. Uh, he was dominant in that game. And Jay Stu is going to lean on him again as he takes on Sean Spearing of the Peterborough Peets in round two. So your e Wildcast E Wildcat of the week is Gabriel Forche. Uh, that'll do it for us again this week. Again, a massive, massive thank you to Peter Lombardinus uh, for basically carrying the show um, and joining us to have a chat about everything from the World Juniors to hockey to football to his son calling some NASCAR. Uh, we'll have our mega show next weekend. We'll see if we can get a couple guests. Santa? Maybe. We'll see. And we'll look ahead to what uh, what trades have broken, what rumors are out there, and what the second half of this season could look like if we have uh, some trades. Thanks for the downloads. And, uh, you know, go Jake Stewart, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast. Wildcast.